Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. I'm going to start a new series really about the Sermon on the Mount. And this came about as I was praying about some things, especially uh, some time while I was gone. I wanted to talk a little bit about this. I really felt the Lord... Uh, gave me this uh, this this content and this context of, of the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, I'm not really going to teach a lot about it today. Just want to give you an overview of a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And today I title this message is "What What Are the Beatitudes?" And a lot of people talk about the the Beatitudes, and well, that's the Sermon on the Mount, but actually it's just a part of the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of context, and as you know, you've probably heard this before. There's a few things that people know well: Amazing Grace. <laughs> Jesus died on the cross, and probably the most well-known message that Jesus ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount. And so today, we want to talk a little bit about that, and why is it such an important message? Why was it so so important? But before I do that, I want to share a thought with you that, that my, I learned this from my kids. I'm always learning things from my kids, always getting ideas from them. And this, this week, while we were gone, we were, like I said, in the mountains some, and my oldest daughter, she said to our littlest one, she's five, she said, you know, Piper, <clears throat> she said, hey, um, do you want to grow up? And Piper, you have to understand her, her, um, her phrases and how she responds is a little sometimes sarcastic or with a little bit of a attitude behind it. And so Ava says, so Piper, do you want to grow up? And she goes, uh, yeah, I want to know what I look like <laughs> and just kind of walks off. And I thought about that, you know. All of us really need to know what we will look like when we grow up. It's something to think about. Everybody asks you this all the time, don't they? What do you want to be when you grow up? Instead of asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? The idea should probably be more like, hey, what are some ideas you have for a career? Not what do you want to be? Because when you say, what do you want to be? It denotes that I'm not there yet. And when will I get there? And this whole idea that says, what do you want to be? Is really the wrong question it's who are you it's who are you right now and as a pastor this is a funny thing but as a pastor uh, we are called to do different things at different times to teach and equip and all these different things so that we grow up and know what we're supposed to look like in Ephesians 4 I'm not going to get into this in depth I just want to read this to you Ephesians 4 Chapter 4 and verse 11 says, And he gave unto some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. For, listen to what the, the, the results should be, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, you could say man or woman, man denotes both here, mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ, equipping, building, unity, and maturity. That is supposed to be what goes on, and we are supposed to look like the stature of Christ. Now, you may say, well, that's not me. Well, it's not me either. That's why we're supposed to continue in this until we begin to look more and more like Jesus. But the idea says this, as a Christian right now, I'm just talking to you as a believer. If you're listening to me right now, and you would say to me, well, I'm a mature believer. I am totally a mature believer, and I know that I'm a mature believer. I would ask you this question is, how has your attitude been over the past six months? 
how have you responded to things that have come your way over the past six months? Very interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount and where Jesus preached it and why he preached it. He spoke on this mountain that I was just there in February. I'll, I'll put a picture up for you right here. I think this is of me and my wife here. Yeah, this is Haley and me. So we were there just in February. I took a tour and took a group there. we taken groups for the last three years, took a group to Israel. And while we were there, we recorded this message, and this is just a picture of it, but we recorded a message and said hello to you. I was just there in February. This is on top of that mountain. This is overlooking uh, the mountain. Right behind that picture, what you see is the Sea of Galilee. But this is the place where most, and Israel's not very big. They, they pretty much have the archaeological uh, sites nailed down pretty well. This is pretty much where they believe. Somewhere on this mountain he preached, and if you see it, it's very beautiful where it is. But Jesus preached up on this mountain, and I'm going to tell you something. Who would have thought from such a beautiful place six months ago, as soon as I got back to the U.S., that, that in less than a few months, our conversations, our actions, our nations would enter into a season that we still find ourselves in. And what I've noticed is regardless of your feelings about a pandemic, about a mask, about racial tension, about going back to school, about not going back to school, about going to church, not church, and now we have political issues to deal with, regardless of any of it, what you believe, I have found no peace in any of it. I haven't found one moment of peace in anything that has gone on in the past six months. It's been constant tension and stress. And it, I thought about this mountain. It's so peaceful up there. And Jesus bringing about this message of, of not just instruction, but confirmation as well. And it's obvious now that until elections are over and in November, we have more things that are going to provide more opportunities to drive wedges between us all until after November. But I want to ask you a question. Let's put all those things that have gone on, that are going on, that will continue to go on, uh, to aside for a minute. Let's just say... After November, what then? No matter what you like, you're either going to get the same guy you got now or you're going to get a new one. What happens then? They're going to get a vaccine eventually. What happens then? Your school's going to work its stuff out eventually. What happens then? Your kids might get to play ball this year. I don't know. Maybe they don't. I don't know. But what happens when it all gets sorted out? What's the atmosphere going to be like in your life then? The interesting thing about this Sermon on the Mount is the perspective that Jesus speaks from is the very same perspective that is going on today. They had political issues going on. They had the Roman occupation going on. They didn't like that. They didn't want that. They wanted to try to get rid of that. They had some of the same issues and economic issues that we have today. They had the have. They had the have-nots. They had all the same issues. They had racial tensions like crazy in what we would call, it's not necessarily the church, but it was at the time, the Sanhedrin, the Council, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they had the racial tension within the group that said they loved God. Nothing was different then than it is now. And they were doing the same thing then as we're doing now. They were looking for the Messiah to come and fix all the problems and straighten it all out. And that's exactly what's going on today is people want Jesus to come back, but they don't want Jesus to come back for what he's talked about coming back for. They want him to come back and set up a political regime that fits their narrative, 
Or they want him to come back and fix the racial issues that's going on to fix their narrative. Or they want him to come back and fix economy issues. They want him to fix their stuff that fits within their house. But I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back to do much more than just fix a few little issues we got going on here. When he comes back, it's not going to be about fixing our politics or fixing our money or fix. No, 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 no. He's going to set everything straight. The most amazing thing about this is when Jesus told us to wait for him to return, most people think in the same terms that they thought back then. That when he comes back, he's going to kick the Romans out of town. When he comes back, he's going to fix all these problems and fix our courts and he's going to fix our laws and fix our politics and fix our... That's not what Jesus said when he was coming. He, I didn't say I'm coming back to fix all that stuff. That's not what he said. And if we're not careful, we'll get this Christianity idea that says, I'm just waiting for Jesus. I'm just waiting for Jesus. I'm just waiting for the return of the Lord. The Lord Let me tell you what Jesus said about waiting for him. This is what he said when you wait for me. Luke 19 verse 13 says this. So he called ten of his servants. He delivered to them ten minas, which is about a half a year's wages. Okay? So he, in equivalent to, he about five years of your wages at one time he delivered this to the people. So before you say, well, I wish somebody would give me, you know, half a year's wages, you know, times ten, and that'd be great. Um, the average person at the lowest economic scale, you'll have over a half a million dollars go through your hand in your lifetime. So before you judge these folks and say, well, I wish they'd give me that, you will have been given that. Some of you, much, much more. But at the minimum, in our economy in America, you'll handle over a half a million dollars in your lifetime. And Jesus said to these guys, do business until I come. One translation says it like this, occupy until I come. But do business until I come. When he came back, he didn't expect them to be sitting around just waiting, hiding their monies under mattress and all that. No, he said, do business. Get moving. Yeah, but there's a pandemic. That doesn't stop you from praying or reading your Bible or studying or growing with God. Yeah, but there's a, but you understand there's racial tension. That doesn't stop you from crossing the other side and trying to heal a, a bridge of divide that's been so deep for so long. That's just because there's an economic issue doesn't stop you from being a generous person. The Bible says this, I know how. Paul said, I know how to live in abundance and in lack. I can do both. Why? Because my God shall supply all my needs according to his, not this economy and not this person. But that's where the center of who we are called to be. Not based on what we see. We're supposed to live in who we are. Not what someday we might become. Now, Jesus said, never wait until I come. He said, you occupy until I come. You do business until I come. A mandate was given to us to proclaim the gospel to the world, regardless of the circumstances around us. And not just to those who agree with me on my politics, on my mask, on my school, or anything else. The gospel is for everybody, every person. And I think Jesus told us this. To remind us about some of these things to help us to know what we should look like when we grow up. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. It's a beautiful sermon. You can read this in Matthew 5. I'm not going to read all of it to you today. I just want to cover a couple of thoughts. The Beatitudes is the first entry point to the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus starts with the Beatitudes. 
And he spoke about these things, and there are about four or five different ideas about what he meant when he preached on the Beatitudes. So let me give you a couple of thoughts, okay, from some different authors and different theologians, okay? So one theologian says it like this, Gulag, he says the Beatitudes are an ethical entrance requirement or steps into the kingdom. That's what he says, that the Beatitudes are steps to be taken. France, another theologian, says that the Beatitudes are, he says Jesus, his call to be different from people who are not his disciples. We're supposed to be different. This is how we're supposed to be, like the descriptives in the Beatitudes. Another theologian, this is Turner, another guy named Bach, they both agree, they see the Beatitudes as pronouncements of kingdom blessings. When people repent, they receive these basic character traits as God's blessings. A lot of different ideas about this. Hegner views the Beatitudes as this, the resulting state of recipients of the kingdom of heaven. However, since the consummation of the kingdom is a future event, there is tension for Jesus' disciples in the present. So in other words, he sees it as this, as as we are recipients of the kingdom of God, but because Jesus hasn't returned back yet, we're in a state of tension the whole time, man. Then there is this actual conversation with a guy named by the name of Bailey that has. <clears throat> and he gets it from the word bless. Let me give you the definition of the word bless before I read you his statement. The word bless comes from the word Greek. It's a Greek word. It comes from the word makarios. That's what it means, makarios. It just means bless. And the reason I give you these Greek and Hebrew is not because I'm trying to show you that I know Greek and Hebrew. I looked it up, okay? Same thing as you do. You Google it, concordance, biblestudytools.com, whatever you want to use. I don't care. You version. doesn't matter. You look it up and see what the word means because our English words are sometimes different than their words in the Greek. Makarios, it simply means this. Check this out. It means to recognize an existing Man, you should put in the comments section right now, existing. Recognize an existing state of happiness or good fortune rather than express a wish or an invocation of a blessing. Did you hear what I just said? That is not something in the future. Oh, well, you know, when I really get to know Jesus real well, then I could really be blessed. No, 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 no. The word bless itself means to recognize this. Recognize it, that you are living right now existing in a state of happiness or good fortune right now. Bailey's view is this. He says that Jesus does not prescribe action, but affirms a blessed state. Man, I love that. So when I read these to you, I'm going to read them over to you real quick. Just a few of these. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, I want you to listen to this with a different perspective. Not, well, if I do this, then it's not like Moses in the Ten Commandments of trying to have principles for your life so things go well for you. No, he's saying to you, this isn't something you're trying to attain. This is something you are. So understand, listen to what Jesus says. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, man, listen, when things go rough, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, 
For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Watch this, because of me, not because of your cause. That's important. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What Jesus is saying is, listen, if you've gone through a difficult time, if there's things that's happened around you, understand this. You don't need to be looking for some future state of bliss and happiness. He's saying right now, you're blessed in the moment. It's not a future event. It's right now. And the idea of being blessed is not connected to a future state, as I said, as it is in in the present. To be blessed is a word attributed to the Lord. You won't find this word being used exclusively without some kind of connection with the Lord our God. Even if somebody says, hey, brother, I just wanted to bless you today or be blessed. Where did that come from? A generosity that came directly from the Lord and deposited into their heart. I'm telling you, the word blessed comes from the Lord. This is why in the middle of a pandemic, you don't need to have a vaccine to be blessed. It's going to come and it's going to be here and it'll be better when it does because it'll fix a lot of stuff. But I'm not going to wait for a vaccine to get here to be blessed. I'm blessed right now. I'm telling you what, if you're going to wait for your school to get all their stuff in order, well, it's just not. No, if this got you so worked up that you think that when your semester gets right, then you're going to be blessed. I'm telling you, you're blessed whether your semester's right or not, whether your dorm gets closed or it's open. You are blessed. If you wait for another presidential election, oh, man, I'm just so worried about this or I want this to change. I'm telling you, if you're waiting to be blessed, then you're waiting on the wrong thing. You're blessed now. Jesus sat down on a rock. And taught people from this mountain under Roman occupation and said, you are blessed. Listen, man, if ESPN fills your TV with 54 different sports and then you're going to get happy again, I'm sorry, baby. You got your eye on the wrong thing. You're blessed if ESPN never comes back home. You're blessed. You're blessed now, not later. That's why Deuteronomy says this, I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the field, and I'm blessed in the house, baby. Listen, I'm blessed in my my workings and in my investments. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. And this is why in verse 8, he says this in Deuteronomy 28. He says, the Lord will command the blessing upon you in your barns and in all that you put your hand to. He will bless you in the land which your Lord, your God, gives you. I'm telling you right now in the comments right now, if all you do today is not agree with me on anything else, you ought to write down in the positive sense Right now, not in the future, I am blessed. Exclamation, point, 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 point. Happy face, smiley face, emoticon with a, I don't know, whatever they got. Let people know that you are blessed right now. And if you don't, then man, why not? Do something positive for yourself. We've had six months of crazy. Let people know right now, I'm blessed. And if they say, what are you talking about? Say, I'm blessed. Why do you think you're blessed? Because the Lord has commanded a bless on me and my family and my household. Who cares what everybody else is saying right now? I am blessed. When I'm done with this right now, I am going to go on this thing, and I'm going to type in it myself. I am blessed. If I'm the only one, I'm going to do it in all caps so everybody else can see that I am blessed. It's the same word that comes out of Hebrew. It's the word Barak, not Obama. It means to kneel, to bless, to be blessed, used most frequently with a deity.
Listen, this word blessed is amazing. When Jesus said, you are blessed, he didn't mean in the future. He meant now. And think about what Paul says in Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13, man, we all talk about this and we love this. But listen, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having became a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the what? The blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. And by the way, that's the majority of all of us watching and listening online right now. That the blessing might come upon the Gentiles in Jesus Christ. That we we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. He didn't say the blessing of Abram. He said the blessing of Abraham. That means he changed his name for the blessing. He didn't say you're going to get the blessing of your forefathers and all. No, no, no. You got the blessing of Abraham. The promise from God all the way through. This is what God said about Adam, Eve, Noah. He said immediately, one of the first things he said about Adam and Eve was this in Genesis 1.22. And God blessed them, said, be fruitful and multiply. As soon as Noah was done, you know what happened at the ark? As soon as the ark was, you know, floating around in the seas and after all the rain stopped and the, the, they see a couple of things, they can open the door and get back out on some dry land. You know what God said to Noah and to his family? Be blessed. Be fruitful and multiply. I'm telling you, man, the blessing of the Lord is real. And you don't have to wait for some future circumstance to fix it and make everything better. No, 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 no. I am blessed right now. Not in the here and by and by and the some great day when we get out there. and No, 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 no. Right here, right now, I am blessed. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. Yeah, things may not look good right now. That's all right. I'm still blessed. The Lord, the Bible says that the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow with it. He blesses you. And, you know, sometimes you get to looking at the wrong thing, but God has blessed you so much. And so today, listen, as I wrap up with this, I want you to think about the power of what we do at the end of every gathering that we have. We speak a blessing over you. Not our blessing. I'm going to read it to you here in a moment. But today, as, we, as we're wrapping up and thinking about these thoughts, can I just challenge you right now? If you're waiting for something to get right, do you understand really who you are and what God made you to be? Do you know what you're supposed to look like when you grow up? That you are blessed. Listen, right now, look, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you, your family. Maybe you're sitting there, man, and you are stressed out. You have been dealing with so many things that's come at you. And now you got other things coming at you now. Now you got the tension of, man, my school's this, and this didn't happen, and I thought, this, and now i got to do this again, and this is just. We're all dealing with it together. But that doesn't mean you have to fall into the world's way. You can be blessed. Not because of some attitude exactly, but because the Lord has blessed you. So right now, the sound of my voice, I'm going to pray for you, but it's specifically, if you're there and you say, man, I don't know Jesus. I'm not sure the Lord wants to bless me. Maybe it's because you don't know Christ. Jesus said, or actually Paul said this about Jesus, but Jesus was crucified. He was cursed so that you might be blessed. That is without any pre-qualifications on your part 
That's without you trying to fix stuff. That's you saying yes to Him and Him changing your life and changing your, the way that you live moving forward. I want to pray for you right now. Just close your eyes, bow your head where you are. Maybe you're in your home, maybe you're in your car, maybe you're at the work, job right now. I don't know. But you simply pray this prayer with me right now. You say, you need to say yes to Jesus in your own words in some form or fashion like this. You just say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart and I give you my soul, God. Lord, I turn to you today. I ask you, Lord, to take everything. I give you my heart. I give you my, my resources. Lord, I, I give you everything. I give you complete control of my life. I ask you to save me, Lord. Forgive me. Lord, I make you my Savior and the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray and give you thanks. Man, if you prayed that prayer, we are so proud of you right now. Our church loves you so much. Come on, right now on the line, they're going to let you know it. They're going to give you some hearts and some love and some likes and some applauses and whatever they can do on there. Man, let it roll. Whether you're watching online at live.cornerstonerome.com or you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, man, let them know how proud you are of them right now for following Christ. And listen, we want to help you get started walking with Jesus. They'll put up a little icon right there, a little tag that just says, connect.cornerstonerome.com and there you can fill out a small piece of information to help us help you get started walking with Christ. Man, we want to help you today. Please take the time to fill that out and let us know how we can help you. As always, I want to say this. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Thank you for your generosity uh, throughout all this. I think if anything shows and displays the power of the Lord throughout this whole thing is the ability for a church to continue to be generous when the whole world says you should be afraid and be in fear. You guys have been fantastic. And we're going to work our very best to help get some gatherings done. And just want to say thank you. Thanks for being generous. We really appreciate your faithfulness. It is taking a load off of me uh, during this time because you have been so faithful. So thank you. Now before we go, I want to speak this blessing over you. And I want you to hear this. After all that I just preached to you, listen to this. It's not the... Jody blesses you. The first statement in this is Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. The Lord bless you. It is not a future thing. The Lord, it is almost a blessing of command from God, not from me. It's the Lord saying, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Man, God bless you. We love you guys so much. If you need prayer for anything, let us know right now. We'll see you next time. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.